We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey guys, it's Kirk Henderson from Kirk Your Enthusiasm of the uh, Mavs Moneyball Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me today. I had a nice chat with my friend Adam Mares of Denver Sports, uh, a new Denver-based, you know, kind of sports community. He covers the Nuggets for them. He also does podcasts for the Locked On Network and used to be a SB Nation uh, Denver blogger. He and I cover, you know, basically every topic you could think of related to both the Mavericks and the Nuggets since they're playing this evening. The podcast doesn't have a super long shelf life, but it's been a long time since the Mavericks and the Nuggets played, and that game was so ugly that it felt like we should probably, you know, talk about the the Nuggets and Mavericks a little bit because it's it's almost like they're playing for the first time. Without further ado, here is Adam and I's conversation. Who should start? We're really good at this. <laughs> I was just giving some dead air <laughs> so, so, so that I knew where to make the edit since I just... That's a good point. Constantly recording. But you killed it, so I guess we can jump right into it. Kirk, what's what's happening, brother? You know, I'm really, really looking forward to this, this game. The Mavericks and the Nuggets are playing tomorrow night. I have kind of had this one circled on, on my calendar because, you know, the Mavericks are, are one of these teams that the Nuggets are, are kind of one of their... their a team that I posited in the, in the preseason that they should try to emulate, you know, mm. just, just slowly get better. I didn't think they'd be like where they are right now, but I thought that they had kind of like the, you know, the, the superstar piece in the center and then a bunch of, of pieces surrounding uh, that player that really worked well and maybe worked better than, than the, the pieces individually might appear. And, you know, the first time these two teams played, it was so 
ugly. (laughs) It might have been the worst game. It's like the worst victory the Mavericks had. Luka was a mess. Um, Yeah, he was really bad. It was the fifth game of the season, fourth or fifth game of the season. First loss for the Nuggets, which was weird. Um, And and it's been such a long time that the, you know, because this is just one of these games where the two teams, you know, they see each other once and then they'll play. I mean, it's been two yes, two full months basically um how and, and let me ask you this talk. Kirk yeah how do you feel do you I feel like the Nuggets are pretty different from what they were on October 29th which was when they they last played how would you say the Mavericks are do you feel like they're more or less the same team uh I would say they're in one of these patches of the season where they're trying to play through some difficulty mm. uh the Mavericks were really at a high point early on just because they're kind of surprising but that particular game was one where the maverick bench carried them yeah dominant. And right now they're facing the opposite problem where the bench just doesn't have it uh and mm. it's showing up if that makes sense because i think sure. the Mavs are basically 500 over their last 10 to 12 games oh wow but some of that is i mean Doncic was out i know he's mm-hmm. been back for a lot of that the, the like the last seven games or so that you're talking about, but um, mm-hmm. it, I, I do think some of it has to do with that. But the story for Denver, so here's where they're different. Jokic, I think he had a triple double in that first game, ten, ten, and ten, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the, the weakest, the weakest triple double you could possibly have. All of the starters were double digit positives, all of the bench double digit negatives, and I think that part of the trend is more or less the same. Of course, Michael Porter Jr. is playing now, which is as exciting probably more exciting than it is like impactful you know it's just like it's it's like a sure. new thing so it's just fun to watch him even when he's kind of not not playing great but Jokic is the big thing he obviously is coming off of a career high 47 points against Atlanta on Monday and he's just been very sort of like driven i think the last time you saw him he was probably 15 pounds heavier than he is now and he's just kind of been been on a you know had a little bit of an edge to him so I do think that this is a a fairly different Nuggets team than than what happened the first time. Well, and I remember telling you in some of our offline conversations that you know being bad in the early part of the season with a talented team is not the worst thing in the world because it means there's a there's like there's room to go up. Yeah, and that the Nuggets kind of stumbled through the early part of the season not looking great, and yet are still twenty five and eleven. Yeah. It's pretty funny to me. And you're finding all these different pieces. It seems like the Nuggets have a bit of a problem in the fact that they have enough depth to where some of the guys, you know, who, who probably would like to see more minutes aren't even really getting getting enough playing time. Like, uh, who's our guy represented by Cru- Cl- Clutch? Uh, Malik Beasley. And, and, like, that guy would probably be, like, the fourth best Mavericks player, I think. <laughs> um, and he's not even seeing time right now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, not, not very consistently at all, no. Well, so what is happening kind of on the injury front? Because now we're kind of at the point in the season, 35, you know, basically, like, I kind of I, – I mark games, like, 40 to 60 in the schedule as, like, the sludge time. The where dog you're days. Trying to, like, make it through alive. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the dog days for sure. Um, it, it, it's been weird because Denver, you know, Denver's a team that I don't think has one-on-one talent to compete with the big boys. Like, they don't have a LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George combo. They've got some very, very good players. They're As you mentioned, they're deep. 
But I think what makes Denver good is that they have cultivated the system of you know, like ball movement, very Spursian. And when it all comes together, it's just like the, the it's it's greater than um, the sum of the parts. But that hasn't necessarily been the case this year. And Jamal Murray had a great start to the season. He's been a little bit, I wouldn't say in a slump. He's just been inconsistent. I thought he was very consistent over the first 15 games or so. And then since then, it's been, you know, good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Paul Millsap's banged up. Gary Harris a little banged up. Will Barton still playing incredible. And Jokic playing some of the best basketball of his career. But it's it's just one of those things where I don't think you fear Denver when some of the guys are playing well, some of them are not. You fear them when they're all on the same page and everything's happening. And unfortunately, that just hasn't been the case over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, so so talk to me about I'm, – I'm really curious as to what has really turned on for your all-star center because – you, know, you mentioned earlier that he was about 15 pounds overweight. Now has really seemed to kind of play himself into shape. What has has there been like any any moment, or was it just kind yeah. of something where you look at the game log and oh, he's he's back to looking like a star? No, there was a specific, a very specific moment. That's kind of what's cool about it. They lost to the Lakers um, on their home court uh, a, a while back. Let me see what, what, I just, what oh I just pulled up the Lakers schedule. Why did I do that? I'm trying to pull up, pull up the exact date when the Nuggets lost to the Lakers. It was on December 3rd. And in that game, Anthony Davis kind of shut him down. Jokic, is, people made a big deal of him. Oh, he's out of shape. He's not playing well. I thought he actually played fine. He just wasn't dominating. And he was dominating fourth quarters. It, it almost looked like he was sleepwalking through the first three quarters. And then the fourth, he would play well. He, of course, had those two game winners. He had some, some monster fourth quarter performances. In that game, I think that was his plan. And he hit the Jets, and Anthony Davis just shut him down, blocked his shot a couple times, like not not embarrassed him, but just clearly like you know had the upper hand down the stretch, and Denver ends up winning but losing by nine points. And after that game, Jokic admitted for the first time, like the team had this weird line, and you know this from covering teams. I'm sure Carlisle does this a lot, where people will ask, "What's wrong with Chris Stapps?" And be like, "Nothing's wrong with him. What's wrong with you guys? He's playing great, or whatever." <laughs> well, they did that with Jokic, where it's like, "Well, he's clearly not playing great. He's averaging like 14 points. You know, like shooting 20 percent from three. Like, clearly, he's not playing well." But everybody kept saying, "Oh, he's fine. What are you guys talking about? Look at our record." Well, after that game, Jokic finally said, "Yeah, I've just been in a slump, and I can't get out of it." And I think there was something to sort of the admission of it. Um, but ever since then, you look at it, and he's just been on a tear that's just been getting better and better. In fact, I think if you look at the numbers from that date, December 3rd till now, I know it's only a month, but he's up in like 23, 24 points per game, 50, 40, uh-huh. 85 shooting. So he's been very, very good since then. And I'm and, and the, the running gag has been there's a lot of the Dallas Mavericks fans really want Andre Drummond for like rebounding related reasons, which I that's don't really so even... funny to me. Well, I mean, I mean, I'll just say this because I don't really, the people who end up listening to this podcast will like already know where I stand. Like those people are wrong, but tomorrow <laughs> night when the nuggets and then, but you know, it'll be the day of for people who are listening to this podcast, when the nuggets and Mavericks play, I am terrified of who's going to guard Jokic. It's it. There's just no one. Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba. That are, that's it's and Boban. So and, Dwight know, Powell like, has really struggled against Jokic. I mean, it's predictably so. But Maxi loses everybody. Well, yeah. That's kind of the problem. Maxi Kleber is interesting though because I don't think he's the type to stop Jokic, but he is the type that Jokic hates guarding. Like those pick and pop guys are yes. the guys that he you just get him back on the other end, and mm-hmm. so sometimes I think that's how you beat a player like Jokic. 
Well, and that really is sort of kind of what I was thinking in terms of how, how like the, you know, not to, not to necessarily pivot away from, from the Nuggets, but the way I've been looking at tomorrow night's game is the only real way that the Mavericks stay in it is if Luka loses his mind and scores a lot of points. And with the exception of the first game, uh, Luka seems to really like to play against Denver. Uh, I have no idea how Denver held him because Denver struggles with big wings and like big mm-hmm. ball handlers. So the fact that he struggled in that game, just three of 12, one of six off the top of my head, I, I remember him just being like, not a non-factor cause he's always good, but I just remember it being like, Oh, He's not really into the game tonight or something. And I don't know if that was it or what, but I don't feel confident that Denver's going to shut Luka down again. And he's had these stretch of games where he's just kind of pouring in the points and not doing so with a ton of effort. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a guy who, you know, he the, the Nuggets' best plan to stop him is really to just mug him mercilessly because he chats so much to the refs that I think this is going to be a year of learning for him. Uh, he started off the year shooting like something almost like 10 free throws a game, and now he's down to like 8.5 or something, which is not oh, enough. Oh, pity. That's still a lot. What is that, like third most in the NBA? <laughs> it's still a lot, but, I mean, the guy has the ball all the time. Um, and, you know, it, it's you know he went through uh, – when they played the, the Hornets the other night, he had 25 drives, and, you know, that's not shots, but it's just like drives at the rim. Yeah. And, and two uh, two free throws or zero free throws. Yeah, he had no free throws off of his drives, which is you know kind of hard to do when you're like that big of a bully ball guy. Mm-hmm. And the the refs have just really been letting people beat up on him, which you know if it's, it's going to happen, it's going to happen because he's not. I don't want to call him a LeBron like player, but I think he's like LeBron and Giannis in the sense that he's so big that there's always contact yeah, that I'm oh, not yeah. sure how you call it correctly. Does that make any sense? Oh, of course. I think it's actually tenfold for Yoke. So Yoke, it's interesting. I'm looking at this, the free throw leaders. Luka is fourth in the NBA. I I don't know if Jokic is in the top 50, which when you, yeah, he's not, he's not in the top 50. So he's below Fred Van Fleet going to page two here to see where I could find him. Um, he is 58th in the NBA in free throw attempts. Fewer actually than Chris Tabs Porzingis. Wow. <laughs> Which is really crazy um, because he plays so much out of the post that in there, and I think it's even more pronounced for him because Luca, you know, so much of what he does is on the move and Jokic, so much of what he does is sort of stationary. Like, you know, even uh-huh. in the post, he's like right there and he is, people make, you know, obviously make fun of his weight and his body and fairly so. I mean, he is a very unique shaped player, but he also, with that weight comes like he's super sturdy. So a finesse player with that much weight that's hard to move, I think he, like Shaq, takes just a ton of beating, but it doesn't look like it because he doesn't fall down. He's planted. He's not yes. moving. So he doesn't get the benefit of a lot of those shooting fouls, even though, you know, if you know this, you're a big guy. If a, if a small guard, like, hits your arm while you're shooting a jump hook, you're going to miss it. But you mm-hmm. might not fall over, and it might not look like it, and people will go, oh, that wasn't contact. You know, yeah, but that was my touch. And I think that's 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 really the way it is for, for Doncic, too, which is – which is really something. But outside, you know, with the Mavericks missing Porzingis tomorrow night, this went from being a game that I, you know, I had circled on my calendar that now I'm, I'm really kind of worried about because the Mavericks have been playing, you know, roughly 500 ball. They don't really have the, the – they had found kind of the, the connective puzzle pieces. I looked it up on, on NBA.com of basically lineups that had played, you know, uh, about 200 minutes uh-huh. and what the offensive rating was. And the Mavericks lineup of, of Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, Porzingis, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Luka Doncic had an offensive rating of 121, which Oof. was 
pretty outstanding. I mean, their net rating was only about 11 um, because they can't guard anybody. But at a certain point, if you can score 125 points a game, the other team can't. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but because everybody keeps getting hurt, they haven't really been able – they've only played 200 minutes, which it was funny when I pulled up this this thing, the the team – the, the, the lineup that actually led the most minutes uh, was Denver with Millsap, Barton, Harris, uh, Murray, and Jokic. And mm, that is like yeah. with nearly 600 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the Nuggets so, are the outlier, though, you know, for those kinds of things. Because one of the stories for Malone this season has been he's trusted that lineup and almost no other ones. So, <laughs> so those guys play just a, a, an inordinate amount of minutes together. Um, and in part of this is the bench for Denver has been really bad. I'm curious because Dallas's bench has been very good. I, isn't mm-hmm. isn't there some crazy stat where like the team is actually better without Doncic on the floor? I know that I know that's very misleading, but don't doesn't the non Doncic lineups actually are very positive right now? I'm not sure if that's true still, but it was true through October and November where there was about 20 games of data. Okay. Um, and that was when Porzingis was – like Porzingis' numbers are going to look awful the entire year because he was he started so badly. Yeah. Um, it's He would have to have like a total outlier swing with his like field goal percentage and some of those things to bounce back. But they shared the floor together a lot too. And so basically – the team at that point in the year looked a lot better because they just didn't have uh, like a functioning starting unit. Uh, what was very strange, and Jonathan Sharks wrote about this for the Ringer in early December, right as they hit upon that unit that I described before. And the the linchpin for the team has oddly enough been uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. because he has no conscience and will hurl regardless of whether defenses are there. <laughs> and the rest of it, it, which is funny because the rest of the Mavericks, you have like Seth Curry, Jalen Brunson, and a number of other guards, like guys that aren't great shooters, but they aren't bad shooters. But I swear to God, they're tentative shooters, which, you know, one of the things I know you really like about watching the Mavericks is the way the, the like uh, passes out to the corner come from the pick and roll. Doncic finds guys all the time. And I swear it feels like half of them are just. You know, it's like they hear footsteps coming, and so they don't want to shoot the ball. Well, this is why but, I'm surprised that Doncic struggled in that first game because that those those pick and roll um, possessions where Denver has to like hard help from the corners. When you have an elite passer, James Harden, LeBron James, those types, Denver just gets murdered by those types. So I'm surprised that in that game, that, that's part of what makes me think maybe this won't, maybe this this has some blowout potential in Dallas's favor because that's the exact thing they they struggle with the most. Well, so that's interesting. Last night when the Hawks and Denver played, it looked like kind of a, a defense-free game. Is that fair to say? And again, not by choice. I just don't think Denver <laughs> can guard that the the, the, the Trey Young type. And Doncic is obviously different than Trey Young, but Denver struggle. It's the same thing, like that those high pick and rolls with a speedy guard or a crafty guard to just give them that much trouble. Well, okay, I remember when we were in summer league this summer, we were talking with a mutual friend, a person who does injury stuff, who, mm. you know, he was talking uh, – do you remember this conversation where you were talking about how guys got hurt? And you mentioned something about their defensive schemes, about how they – how how Denver uh, expects their bigs to cover a lot of ground. Am well, I, it, wasn't, I, it wasn't the bigs. Um, and it actually wasn't unique to Denver. He was talking about just the nature of these core injuries, of which Denver has had quite a few – but he was talking about them being up across the, the the league, and of course we're talking about Jeff Stotts in street clothes, very very smart guy. Um, he was actually on this uh, on I believe this show or Locked on Nuggets, I can't remember. But he um, what he was talking about was back in the day, 
you didn't have to cover a lot of ground defensively because there was no like there was much less helping some some of that because of the rules you couldn't like double the post and help in the right you couldn't the, leave like you get the the different they're like zone yeah 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 and you couldn't and the other thing was there was one three point shooter on the core like the designated three point guy there it wasn't a thing that you had to cover multiple players on the perimeter now the the game is spread out guys are standing behind the three point line on offense and cutting and moving around but there's more ground to cover so less physical inside but more taxing from like running left to right and in particular sliding left and right and he was saying that's probably when you think about it if you have to rotate over to the middle to tag a rolling big man and then sprint out to the corner that's like it does put some pressure on sort of your groin ab area because you're you think about back in the day defensive slides or whatever like breaking from going left to right and then going the other direction that he just thinks that is one of the reasons. And when you look at Denver, Jokic for all of the things he does well, the one thing he can't do is jump and block shots and intimidate people from going into the paint. So you have to rotate even harder. So maybe Denver's even a little bit more vulnerable to those types of injuries. Interesting. So Will Barton is out tomorrow night, correct? Yeah, he had a funeral of a, a cousin who who was killed in Baltimore a week ago, two weeks ago. Well, that's that's very sad. He happens to be though kind of a surprise, isn't he? Kind of a surprise defender this year. Am I? Yeah, you know, as is the case with all of the Nuggets, they all looked really good defensively through twenty games. The last fifteen of, I think they ranked thirtieth in defensive rating over the last ten games. So, including him, they've all sort of fallen off. But he was he was doing okay. I don't think I love Will Barton. He's my guy. I don't think he's a a Luka Doncic stopper. So. Him being out, I think hurts Denver's offense a lot, but I don't know that it hurts their defense. I wouldn't, I, don't, I wouldn't say it hurts their defense. Okay, well, so one of the things I remember from the early part of the season was that bit. Denver was that Denver was was not playing in any. How's how's their pace basically? Is kind of what I was curious about because the Mavericks tend to push. It's one of the if not the slowest in the NBA. Um, they were for a while. I think they were second slowest last I checked. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. They are yeah second to last behind uh, Charlotte. So they play super slow. Okay. Hmm. So that's going to be something to watch because, you know, the Mavericks tend to – it really tends to, to go – you know, they, they give up a lot in, in at the rim, and then they try to force mid-range shot, which is everybody. But they really, they really play pretty good three-point defense. I think that's just kind of the way the ball's bouncing. I don't think it's anything they're actually doing. Uh, but as a result of that, you know, when teams that they're playing against miss a ton of threes – that's when they tend to be at their most dangerous because Luca grabs, you know, he's averaging like nine boards a game. And when he gets the ball, you know, it's, it's basically a mismatch situation because picking him up in transition is a little bit of a bear. So that, that's probably going to be something to something worth watching tomorrow night because the Mavericks can really get on these kind of like dangerous offensive runs. I think they might leave the league in 40 point quarters uh, just because, yeah, I mean like, like Luca, when they played uh, last night, that he had a 21 point third quarter Oof. just kind of yeah it, it's it's really really something to see but here, let me ask you this though i'm gonna stop you what do you are you like what do you how where are you at right now in your luca fanhood like just is it because is it getting numb to you at all the stuff that he does it's a great question so last night after the game you know he's getting asked these questions by you know the hard-working media people the real people who go to games and cover stuff like you do and he, he rolls his eyes at some of the questions that he's asked about the numbers he's putting up. Because when you plug stuff into basketball reference, you can 
kind of you know you can come up with a new record every day if you want. Yeah, so some of the some, numbers with him have been a little weird. Like he's the first player to score thirty four seven seven rebounds and four assists. Like the numbers are stupid. just like where'd you choose these ones? <laughs> it's obje- it's like it's objectively stupid. And yeah. I know people are just trying to make copy and you're trying to get stuff done because you know everybody wants to consume Luca content, which is true. But I'm at this place right now where I'm just trying to enjoy the 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 bigger moments. He has you know, he's a lot of fun to watch game to game and he he's making little adjustments as the year goes on to kind of keep as defenses, you know, play the, the long term game of chess. Uh, what's incredible, though, is how much he still has to improve. Uh, you, where where he, can he improve? He can't shoot the ball from distance to save his life. I laughed out loud that he got invited to the three point contest. Yeah, I mean, his three point numbers are terrible. Yeah, uh, it's it's I my, the the running they're, gag they're just is, good enough though that you have to guard it though. That's the thing is it's not like teams are going to just start sag- giving him the Giannis treatment. Like he's way too good for that. Yes, yes, but I think that almost might be a little bit of a viable solution to defending him. Because on games where he shoots more than 10 threes, I think they're at something like 500, mm. uh, which because he just fall. It's not that he falls in love with it, but as much as he likes probing, I mentioned earlier, he's not getting calls and he gets sick of getting hit. So it's, it's kind yeah. of the it's kind of one of the only viable strategies. I'm just I'm having fun with it. I, I you know, there's there's he he has a lot to, to improve in terms of his physical fitness, uh, his kind of <laughs> yeah. whininess. And I would say, really, his ability to pay attention on defense. We have some twenty. What was what was the the really bad James Harden year? We have some of that going on, and mm. and you'll just because he he'll just get beat back door by like the you know the worst starter on the other team. It's like guy, what are you doing? Yeah. So I got to tell you though, Kirk, you got to just soak up this season because I don't think the Mavericks are winning a title. I mean, who knows? Nope. But I don't think they are. <laughs> so you're in the cushy spot where you're almost guaranteed a playoff spot right now. I know that's kind of crazy to say, but the the bottom of the Western playoff race is just so bad. Mm-hmm. I think what is Dallas up right now? Seven. No, oh my god, they're up nine games on the on the nine seed. So yeah. they're pretty much a lock to make the playoffs. So you kind of you're you're just in it. You get like whatever happens is gonna be fun. And here's what I'll say. My favorite year of this Nuggets run was Jokic's sophomore season. The same as what Doncic is right now. It's like where he made the first sort of major leap. You saw the talent, and you're like, Man, I wonder if he could do this for thirty three minutes a game and like, oh yeah, he can. That's what you're in. Enjoy it because yeah. the last two have been a lot of fun as well, but there's just the pressure. There's like actual real pressure there. And it's, you know, you do hope that the Nuggets win a championship this year or that they move forward and whatever it means to move forward. I'll, I will say this the one thing that you have gotten that unfortunately Nuggets fans did not, it took three years for people to believe that Jokic was not terrible or like fake. <laughs> like, at least right now, everybody admits that Doncic is really awesome. You could, could you imagine if right now, well, I saw your tweet about about Trey Young. Can you imagine if Luca was having a sort of Trey Young response, and it was, "Oh yeah, he's putting up these numbers, but they're better without him." And like is it the, that yes. that was the the entire Jokic experience that year, where it was like, "What the heck are you guys talking about?" I remember <laughs> how mad you were. It was great. It was great. And, you and- you want to have the fun year. You want to have the honeymoon. We did. You didn't even get the honeymoon. All the haters were on your honeymoon, just like throwing tomatoes at you and stuff. You're like, "Gosh, this is sucks." Well, and, and it's, it's got to be said that the Mavericks are beneficiaries of some things happening in the West that might right themselves next year. And it's kind of the confidence year, yeah. really. It's, it's you know, it, I'd, be, I'd be interested to see what the coverage was like if Luka was putting up these numbers, but they were like a nine seed because the yeah. Warriors were rocking out. 
So there's a little bit of that going on. I mean, I'm I'm having I'm having a great time. Our, yeah. It's so funny when when our when our fan base gets so upset, and I'm like, guys, we 23 <laughs> and 13. We have a better road than home record. Like what? Oh, that's wild. Getting... Yeah, it's it's really wild. There there's something about they they can't play at home. They've um they've they've had six games this year where the last two minute report has come out and said that if the game was called correctly, they would have won. Um, and oh, like that's, four, those always suck. I hate those. Yeah, and it's like four <laughs> of them have been at home. You know, my my mm. you remember my my favorite. You you had to deal with me on my my Laker meltdown when uh, the, they played <laughs> the first part of the year. But uh, you know, it's it's been it really has been a lot of fun because there's just so much you can see other teams coming. Like I like I watched a little bit of the Memphis game tonight, and it's like John Morant is just so talented, and like this stuff can really slip in a hurry. Yeah, uh, but you know, Luca's that kind of guy. He's gonna be, you know, he'll be in Dallas for at least the next five, six years, uh, hopefully longer. And I, I just kind of plan to, 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 you know, soak it all in. Do you? Is there anybody in Dallas that's like the Skip Bayless of Luka Doncic, the the guy that's just making his shtick by talking about how he how fake he is? Is there even one guy out there doing that? It's a great question. And you know who's serving is the guy who gets the crap kicked out of him. Who's that? Chris Stapps Porzingis. Oh, is oh, of course. See, that's the flip side of the coin, right? There's the the mm. beloved child, and then there's the the second child. The there's second that. Son. There's a lot of there's a lot of KP. Um, you know, I think since he's been out, he's actually kind of his his kind of Q score has gone up. Yeah, because the, it's so he you know he's he's not a superstar, but he is very special, and he fits well because he's actually doing like. It's incredible that Rick Carlisle's got him doing what works mm. and what he's actually good at. And he and and so once kind of everybody comes around on the fact that his contracts just, you know, we just gotta everybody just has to live with the fact that he's making a max contract. And and for, until that happens though, he is kind of the guy who absorbs most of the heat because of that contract and because of the, you know, kind of overblown New York pedigree. Um I, I really strongly dislike Chris Tapps. <laughs> Like I just, I really, really do. I mean, he just seems he he is sort of the entitled guy that was the chosen one. So this fall from grace from going to like the king of New York to the second child of Dallas to me, I'm just oh, I'm so for it. I'm so with it. I will say though, I have been remarkably surprised at how well he's handled it because mm-hmm. to go from that sort of of you know fiefdom that he had in New York to being second fiddle to a guy four years younger than him has got to be a little odd, but he's managed to handle it with a lot of professionalism in a way that makes, you know, he, uh, he and Luca are again, you know, like four years different. Luca's still very much like a teen. He does and says stuff that like makes me laugh out loud because he is very much a kid. And, and Porzingis is kind of much more of a man, um, <laughs> at least in terms of how he interacts with everybody. And it's it's just it's it's been it's been something to, to to witness. I was thinking about this the other day. Jamal Murray is now I think twenty twenty one or twenty two. I can't remember. I think twenty one, maybe twenty. Yeah, he's probably twenty two. Um, but when he his rookie season, or maybe it was even his sophomore season, he would walk into yeah he's twenty two. He's almost twenty three. He would walk down the hall for like while Malone was giving his pregame presser, and he would throw candy at Malone. 
And like at the time, I was sort of I, I was sort of new covering the league too. This was maybe my second or third year, so I I remember thinking like, huh, that's really weird. And it sure doesn't seem like Malone appreciates it. <laughs> but it was one of those things where Malone's like publicly being shamed by a kid, and it, it was just like, yeah, this is my job right now. I'm dealing with like extremely immature nineteen year olds that just don't get social cues. Like Jamal Murray couldn't read a face that Malone freaking hated this stupid gag he had, and he did it all year. And so, anyway, Luca, he's so good at basketball that we age him in our minds. Like, oh, yeah, he's just an adult. But it's like, no, he's just a kid that's really good at basketball. And he probably has a million little annoying things he does that, like, Rick Carlisle's just like, seriously, that's what I have to do today with this guy? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely – it's it's great. It's It's been – you're right. I mean, I you've told me this for a while now that I just need to kind of soak this all in because you can see the little you can see the heel turn coming, for lack of a better term, uh, against against the, the whoever the heck they played last night. I'm tired. He got oh, it was the Bulls. He like got into it with some dude named Shaq Harrison, and it, it's it's really funny to watch him because people just he bothers people. He bothers <laughs> people in the league, and that there hasn't been. There aren't too many, you know, with so many of these guys get along, they like each other. They play hard, but they don't really scrap too often. And in games, dudes do not like Luca, And it's really funny to watch so long as, you know, your team's not on the other side of the beating. That'll be an interesting thing. I think the same thing happened with Yoke um, early on in his career, right? Like he was start when he started to get accolades, he, a lot of the players kind of like, who is this dude getting all of it? But weirdly he's won over this, a lot of the players. There's still a lot that don't like him. Like Vince Carter tried to get it, into it with him last, last game, but why? How can you not like Yoke? Oh, no, there's plenty of reasons not to like you. <laughs> <laughs> really? So what, what? What do we mean? I love watching him. He just he, he just seems to be kind of like, you know, just the dude. I, like, you look up and he's killing you as opposed to, like, in-game where you feel every every moment. Well, he flops. I think the, I think the number one thing, I mean, just like all Euros, is he does the flailing arms thing. And, you know, we just talked about him not getting a ton of calls. But he also draws a bunch of, like... You stuck your hand on the cookie jar, and I like chicken winged your arm so that you got stuck there, and then shot the ball. Like he does a lot of that kind of stuff that I think people are just like, dude, what what the hell is this? Um, and that's certainly why Vince Carter was getting so mad at him. But <laughs> but weirdly, I think Jokic is not one of the cool things about him is he's not what people think. You know, a lot of people picture him this finesse European soft player, you know, whatever. And like Jokic is actually like a, a really tough doesn't want fame like he doesn't he also doesn't think he's good so like when people are like dude you're so overrated he's like yeah i know like (laughs) and this is very disarming that he's like not there to fight you about his own legacy which i think other players are kind of like oh this guy gets it Embiid, when they played this last time Embiid put it like he he called Jokic his like what did he what did he say what was the phrasing he used something like my childhood hero and i think some of it is that like he's so amazed at how above it Jokic is he gets mm-hmm. under everybody's skin, and he doesn't get under Jokic's skin. And I think he's just like, yeah, this dude is just kind of like um, what's homeboy in Oklahoma City, uh, Stephen Adams. He's kind of like yes. that, where it's like there's just no getting under this guy's skin. He just clearly doesn't care like I do. Uh-huh. Well, I'm really looking forward to this game. I it's 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 an the 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 secondary reason other than the teams that I'm looking forward to it is that it starts early, which means I can go to bed early, and that is a big part of surviving basketball season. We're doing a watch party. So here in Denver, sports column, 5 o'clock. You're going to want to check it out. The game at 5.30 on ESPN. It's also like serving as sort of my birthday. So I think we're having nice. a birthday birthday cake 
Um, there'll be a few strippers. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a really uh, good time. <laughs> I, Luke is going to serve you an L on your birthday. I'm sorry. Oh, that's too, well, Denver's also on the fifth game of a five-game road trip, which Ooh. I know that's almost like a back-to-back, even that's though it's not. Nice. Yeah, when you're on that road trip, long road trip. The one thing I'll say, Jokic in this last game, team, they, the Hawks just decided not to double him, which has happened a few times, and Jokic usually will just dominate the games. I'm curious to see if, how he comes out in this next one because – the, when I watched it live, I was like, oh, he's very aggressive. When I went back and rewatched, I thought, no, he's not. They're just guarding him one-on-one. He clearly sees it, and he's attacking. I wonder if Dallas tries that same thing, and I wonder if just what Jokic looks like uh, attacking in the post. If he gets Dwight Powell on them, and they don't send hard help, I think Jokic is going to get to the foul line or, or score the ball every time. So I'm curious to see if they do that and if it forces Dallas to maybe adjust. Uh, the, I actually think that's likely because – the Mavericks just they aren't great helping the helper and I don't know I could do without Powell at some point this is going to be one of those games where I hope he gets a jet you know fired into the sun watch uh, Nuggets fans watch his face as he fouls Jokic and and look how incredulous he is every time it's one of my favorite things about uh, basketball these days because Powell just fouls everyone and then you know swears he didn't do it and it's just (laughs) it's a great subplot to watch Mm. Yeah, should be fun. What's your prediction? Oh, high score, like you said. Probably, I'm I'm gonna go the the. I just gotta take my guys. I think it's gonna be a 128-122 game. 128-122. God, that'd be fun. What kind of numbers is Doncic putting up? Uh, probably close to forty. Uh, <laughs> if if he can, if his teammates would actually hit a shot, maybe twelve assists and nine rebounds. <laughs> You're not wrong. Like he does this. I mean, he's, if you look at his last couple games, 38, 39, 31, 35, like he's been over 30 for four straight. So a 40 point near triple double is certainly on the table. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 123, 110 Dallas. I think Dallas wins a, a little bit easy. I think Denver just a little bit road weary. Um, so we'll see how they are, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either way. And as for a stat line, Jokic is a little bit on one, but uh-huh. I still I don't trust him to like put up a second back to back forty point game or anything like that. So I think his numbers might be a little more muted, something like a twenty ten and and five. All right, I like that. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. Um, anything you want to plug before we before we bounce? No, uh, you know, go to MavsMoneyBall.com where we're one of the Mavericks websites that actually writes Mavericks-related content. So, uh, What do yeah. other Mavs sites write about not Mavericks content? Well, maybe one day we can hope for a Mavs, um, basically a, a Mavs Nuggets playoff series, and you'll go, and then we can... Oh, man, that'd we, be fun. Then we can revisit this, and you'll see what I mean. The Mavericks have an enormous media apparatus because of Cuban. Cuban just... Per, he just basically says yes to everybody so they issue in the neighborhood of a hundred local credentials uh, so <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome. a lot of people who do you want to see in the playoffs like if you had your pick right now what team would you see uh the drunk man in me i'm not drunk but i i really the 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 lakers would be fun yeah i i just i don't really see the mavericks matching up well against like the rockets over seven games or um, basically it's kind of the entire group of teams, which is stupid because Dallas has actually played them pretty well. Um, I might have to say they haven't even played the jazz yet, which is incredible. Um, the schedule's the qu- weird like that. Mm-hmm. 
the Thunder were rough, and the Thunder are coming on like gangbusters right now. So I just there's not really any of these teams, and I'm super thrilled about playing. I think that they match up well with the Lakers, and I I'm just as much as I believe the Lakers are a really good team, I also think their veteran depth might you know kind of bite them in the rear by game 82. Um, and so it's just that's kind of the team in the back of my head that I wonder and sort of hope it's also play. nothing to lose. Like, you go against the Lakers, you're supposed to lose, that's fine. And if yeah. Doncic outduels LeBron in a single game, it just elevates his profile. And if he happens to do it and push that series to six or seven, or even you know, who knows, win it, like he instantly gets vaulted to legendary status. Like, that kind of yeah. stuff doesn't happen. So, I think it's smart, especially early on, to want one of those like high leverage situations because mm-hmm. um, that would be fun. So I'm rooting for it. Dallas Lakers. I wouldn't mind it in the second round though. Dallas has a chance. Has a chance to sneak into that. Like, I guess Lakers could fall to two, or or Dallas shoot up to the four five zone. So we'll see. I got it. I just got to see because you know they're play- like if they play the Clippers or the Rockets, that just concerns me. Like the Clippers are are, are basically like like Luca Kryptonite because mm. they got a bunch of six eight dudes to throw at him. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. He is Kirk Henderson. His site is Mavs Moneyball. His podcast is Kirk Your Enthusiasm, which. If you're listening to the Dallas feed, that's what you're on. If you're listening to the Denver feed, check him out. One of my best friends in, in all of this uh, racket we have going on here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.